didn't talk enough about B or Lil B. And then also I, um, oh, when I was talking about parentification, I was like, oh no, I didn't like lay out, all, I mean, that it, that's not just one way that our family is not parentifying our children in terms of consequences. Like there's lots of other elements of why what we're doing is not parentifying despite our children having like a role in their younger siblings' lives. Right. I mean, I'm sure some of that will just like... Right. It'll be just very evident. Right. Oh, I know. Okay. And that's the thing is it's realizing that we're just having a conversation and it's casual and I'm just going to say the things I'm going to say in those moments, but the whole big picture of what we put into the world will be a representation of us that is more comprehensive than whatever dumb thing I say at night when I sit down in front of this after having spent a whole day doing whatever it is that I was doing. So okay. it's okay. We got this. All right. So when we were watching, what were we watching earlier tonight? When I was like, I kept interrupting. Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, right. The new Stranger Things. My kids love it when I watch a show with them because I will interrupt it over and over with random thoughts that I have about other things we're doing. So I have to keep a pen and paper with me so that I can write my list down, but it still doesn't stop me from like right, randomly still being like, Scott, we should talk about what family means tonight. But that's what I thought we should talk about. So you should start because I feel like you've got all kinds of baggage about family. That's amazing to hear. I wouldn't call it baggage. Uh, I would just what say would you call it? Things that I carry around with me <laughs> okay. that I probably don't always need. Okay. Um, I don't know. Baggage just sounds. It's probably baggage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking it's probably baggage. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. No, I just uh, I think it's one of the things that's messed with me a lot. Right? Is this is growing up well i guess until i was nine i didn't really have any real strong concrete beliefs but then well and also how much of a sense of a family did you have right because your childhood was disrupted by you know your biological father not being in the picture and then, right, and then multiple and other and, right yeah. so male figures kind of taking that role so the idea of family for you was really sure pretty uh, transient then mormonism is like oh family is forever you know you're in primary you're in the the earliest youth education classes learning about how families are forever and that's your whole end goal and you go through the temple to be sealed, you know, forever. So, yeah, there's a lot of baggage. So would you say that sounded better than the model of family where like a just roaming dad figure came in and out of your life? Yeah, you know, if if those were the two options I was being Which I think for as far with, as you were concerned at nine, that yeah. was pretty much what you were being. Right. Yeah, yeah. those are the two options. Yep. Uh, but then also, you know, Mormonism comes with this belief in pre-existence and that you chose your family, you know, before any of us were born. And so therefore, by not having as many kids as you can, you are leaving all of these right. potentially unborn souls up there, unable to have their destiny fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Well, that part didn't seem to really get to you because you've not felt the need to like... No, bring no. a lot of children into the world. No, I with your I was done with body. Was done with two. Yeah, yep. Which Scott likes to try to convince our children that he gave birth to them. It's one of his favorite things to do, like on Mother's Day, and 
things like this. And he tells like a whole story about how his body produced them. Mm-hmm. And they think, they think it's very funny. And one time uh, at, what was it, Matt's like 12th birthday or something, you tried to breastfeed him in front of all his friends. That didn't go over that, that well. That either. did not go over that well, <laughs> it turns out. No. No, he did not like that. But that just gives you a little snapshot into the kinds of ridiculousness that ensue in our family. It was pretty funny, I thought. But I mean, I, I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I think he would probably laugh about it now. Oh, I think yes, he does. Absolutely. Laugh about it's now. hilarious. I mean, it was funny at the time. I mean, you weren't actually doing that, but you were just teasing him, like, let me come nurture you, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just an interesting moment because you saw him transitioning from something that he would have like joked around to cuddled you about before, and then seeing in front of friends how he was like, "Oh my god, Dad, you are so embarrassing! <laughs> like, right. why would you try to do that?" Um, yeah, I mean, I would say I learned a lot about uh, some both really positive things about family, uh, like what it means to, uh, you know, one of the things about Mormonism. Well, uh, we don't have it done fully the way they do but they have this thing called family home evening mm-hmm. uh that i right. really liked where you really just focus on each other as a family and do something together uh and so we have that same kind of thing with our, our tech free days where we just do more things together and find right. time to or focus on each other yeah D D. like we've gone through various iterations as schedules have changed of tuesday's the night or monday's the night or sunday's the day but yeah we definitely I think I've benefited a lot from that model. And I remember the conversation we had where you were like, just <laughs> bear with me here. Mm-hmm. But there's this thing called family home meeting, and I think it would be really great. Yeah. Yeah. Get lots of games. Right. And mayonnaise and sour cream-based foods. Yeah, well, that's just, right. that, that comes with having somebody who. Right, with being so white and delightful. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So maybe, Scott, you can talk a little bit about some of the anxieties that also gave you around family, because I think those were very prominent, especially during your divorce and your leaving Mormonism. Sure. Uh, I think because, uh, you know, being raised, uh, I guess, Christian in general, but especially Mormon, whether or not you consider them Christian, I guess, but uh, is just this idea in, you know, immortality ultimately and especially as a Mormon, you know, being able to have, you know, worlds of your own or being with your family in that way forever and and sealed and bonded uh, is just really appealing. And then letting go of that and recognizing what that means, especially for someone who is, you know, an atheist, a non-believer now who doesn't really believe there's anything after this uh, was a a, a kind of shock to the system, I guess I would Mm say. Right. Right. Scott. (laughs) there's like a listing when you look at like therapists of like the kinds of things they handle an existential crisis is one of those. And that is listed there for people like you. Yep. Whereas for me, I'm just like, eh, yeah, no yep. God, just going to die, be in the ground. Whatevs. Nope. Cool. That's it doesn't bother me. I'm not having a whole me. lot of stress over it. I'm just like, I guess I better do things before I die because <laughs> then I'll just be dead, but I won't know. So it'll be cool. Um, yeah. But Scott definitely still has so much anxiety about that. And then I think even just the separation of your family, the idea that you wouldn't right. be in an and eternal family was exactly. really upsetting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then having come through, or I guess from, you know, divorce and separation, then when my first wife and I got divorced, there was that whole question then of, you know, am I just like my biological father or... Right, well, and that was something that was said to you as a child a lot in as an insult, so, you know. It hit sure. hard. 
Yeah, which I mean, I think shows how much strength and growth you had in that period of your life because you were able to do something that was so hard. You know, not only leaving Mormonism, which was extremely hard, and I think then paved the way for you to be able to end your marriage. So, yeah, it just got all in your head. Mm-hmm. Still working through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, Yeah, no, I'm just Catholic. So, you know, I just had like regular views of marriage. Sure. And family. Sure. Absolutely. Regular. <laughs> regular. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, is, totally. Is that why you <laughs> wanted to have zero kids? Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I wanted to have zero children because I was going to be an academic, and academics can't really have kids because you just like you get a book or a kid most of the time. I certainly didn't feel like I could do both those things. I didn't have the capacity for that, so it just seemed like what would happen. Um, and I don't really know when that transition happened for me, except I don't really remember a time in my adult life that I thought that I did want children. And I remember lots of people telling me that was foolish. Um, And ultimately, you know, not having any biological children, I feel like that's been one of the greatest choices of my life. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I think being raised Catholic had a lot to do with the way that I saw family. That's reflected in the way that we are now. Um, But then I also think being raised in a family that didn't necessarily have all the emotional skills that I came to learn were so important because they did not inherit those emotional skills from their own families. Um, I definitely think that impacted a lot of how I view parenting and family now. In what way? Um, I think that family that wasn't chosen family was really emphasized, like biological family was very emphasized in my family of origin. And because so much of that rang shallow to me, uh, as I grew up and sort of realized, like, what was binding us together? Was it really commonality? Was it really, like, shared values? I came to recognize that that was not the case for me. And so I, I turned more to a chosen family, especially in my, you know, early 20s, especially when I was just feeling like I could not connect even with my immediate family in the ways that I wanted. And so I think that I rejected a lot of what I was raised with, and I think that's one of the things I rejected was the idea that a biological connection to family members mattered, which was very upsetting to, I think, my mother in particular, who really believed I would have, as she told me, beautiful babies, great genetics, which I think we've proven to not be the case. Like, (laughs) autoimmune diseases and all kinds of fucked up. I really just don't think I have great genetics. So um, So there wasn't a version of the family that existed outside of the the blood relations at least that was being modeled for you um I mean I definitely had people in my family that were adopted or came in through step parenting but it was you were definitely aware of that as like not full like you would hear people in the family talk about that in ways that made it clear it was lesser um and there was just a clear preference for biological children sure um and I think that's pretty common no that that happened with us as well Mm-hmm. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, family was very important. I, I got a lot of a sense that you can achieve a lot in a big family. I was exposed to families that were larger because I was raised Catholic. Both my parents came from, both my parents have five siblings. So, you know, sets of six on each side. So, you know, I, I, being around a lot of people felt very familiar to me. And I think that also played a huge role. So I think the rejection of Catholicism played a big part of it. And yet at the same time, I was around a big family. I loved that. And 
I just, I was also the oldest of my cousins. And so, you know, I think being around young people was also very comfortable for me. I think it matters the age too, right? You were rejecting Catholicism at a much earlier age, right? You'd kind of... Right, well, because it was different for me than you, because you came into Mormonism as a choice and you were viewing it as a young kid, as like a, a lifestyle choice in so many ways, right? Like I'm going to get stability. There's going to be this whole thing for my family and my mom's going to find a great life there too. And right. so you had all that hope. Whereas I was born into Catholicism and just from the, I, I, I was just a personality that resisted. And so I, I don't really remember a time where I felt like, oh, I truly hmm. believe this. I remember a time where I felt very validated by being, admired within it like being uh an altar girl or you know getting my first communion like those things felt good but I definitely remember early on feeling like it just must not really be real like it didn't seem like it could be real so I think that's just a temperament thing you were you know you wanted to believe a lot more than I did. I don't really identify with that feeling I sure of wanting did. to believe. Oh, I sure did. Anyways, that's, I feel like, a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be talking about family. So, how do you think, then, that our family unit, our family structure as it exists now, has been impacted by our backgrounds? Okay, well, I mean, I think that the funniest thing is that a former Catholic and a former Mormon have nine fucking children. Sure. Like, that is... If we can talk about how our backgrounds impact us, I think that's one big way. And I just think there's no question um, that that's part of it. I think we both really wanted stable family structure. I experienced it with my family in a way that I think you didn't get to experience with yours. But there were still things, of course, we all look back on what our parents did and think, you know, here's what we know now. And it's different, right? Like my parents gave me this gift of their stability, even though, of course, they still had I think some emotional skills and gaps that were very common for people in that generation. Um, But then that gave me this platform to do something more, even though there are things I wish hadn't happened in my childhood. Um, But I just also think that my parents gave me an example of like very driven people and that that's been a big part of my story as well. Like I've just been instilled with this belief that if you are not doing something, it doesn't really matter, which is super Catholic. Right. like (laughs) (laughs) The works are important. Like, sure, you can say the words and you can believe the things. But in Catholicism, you got to do stuff, too. And it's really essential. And that includes like reciting things and eating things. We just were doers. And I feel like Mormons are the Catholics of the. Well, that's why there's such a large conversion rate between Catholics, Catholics to Mormons. Is there really? Yeah. It's one of, do you not know this about your people? Come on, Scott. About my people? Yeah, well, you went around to the missionaries. You should have been knowing who you oh, should I be targeting. And the people you should be targeting are Catholics. I don't feel like we ever said, you know, we're targeting Catholics. We were just being led by the Spirit, and I resent right. the <laughs> Go to the Catholics who were like, you know what? This actually doesn't sound so bad. This <laughs> this feels right to me. It feels familiar, but also more modern. That does yeah. sound right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you think? Is your definition of family now? Or, like, what do you think our definition of family is or how we do family? Because it's certainly – what's interesting is we'll, like, actually get feedback from people where they, like, try to differentiate between our, like, real children and our not real children or, like, feel very invested in knowing the origin of all of our kids as if right. somehow how they came into our family or how I came to call them my child 
is really relevant to whether or not they are actually my child. Like, I really think there's some people who are like, because you've not biologically had any of these children, none of them are really your children. Yep. Which I find to be incredibly offensive. Yeah, I think uh, one good way to, I guess, talk about that would be to mention our our family, like, words, right? Mm-hmm. Which, first yeah, of all... Which nerd alert. Right, like, you know, <laughs> sure, is it Game of Thrones-esque? Is it directly taken maybe. from Game Scott, we watched episode of Game of Thrones, and you were like, you know what we should do? We need to have our own house words. That's that's the conversation okay, that well, happened. Well, I, I don't think my voice sounded like that <laughs> when I said that. <laughs> I mean, I do think that probably was word for word. Uh Otherwise, <laughs> you don't often have like moments during watching things where you're like, oh, my gosh, we need to do this. But that I think was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but it's worked out great. It it's has been smart. We 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 do have words um, and I don't know how to say that exactly, but it's non nobis solum, uh, which means not Good for ourselves alone. Um, it's part of a larger quote. Uh Ultimately saying, not for ourselves alone are we here, but, you know, for the good of everyone. Uh, and so I think that's really what it is, is we are an intentional, like, chosen group of people that support each other. And we know that we are a, a safe home base for us to always kind of come back to, right? You go out into the world, you make those risks, you take those chances, you learn, and, and you have a home and a family that is always there to, like, mm-hmm. help and support. Right, and we have, like, a ritualistic way that we create family, which is through, like, the, um, so, you know, when children enter our family or, like, auditioning to be in our family, which I think is a way to think about foster care, right? Like, at the end of that, you're making a choice and the child's making a choice. And when they're really young, that choice looks very different than when you're working with older kids. And we have, you know, three uh, older children in foster care right now who are, 15, 14, and almost 17. So all three of them are making a choice. Our oldest, B, made a choice to be part of our family. Um, And when they do that, right, we're saying you're our child. You're choosing us as your parents, which means that we are, like, a source of support for you, of mentorship, of guidance that you're going to yield to us, right, in some ways, that you're going to agree that, you're going to take us seriously, and if we give you a consequence, you're going to accept it, right? Um, and then we all wear a ring. Well, not not our littlest because, you know, <laughs> various practical reasons, but all of the older kids, like that choice to be in our family is represented by them wearing a ring or in case of one of our kiddos, he wears a necklace uh, that have our words on them. So I think that's very much the way that we mask that intentionality, and it's entirely chosen and I will just wrestle anyone to the ground who wants to tell me that any of my children are not my children super uncool not to say that people you should erase the idea of real from your vocabulary if you want to not sound ignorant asking someone blended family (laughs) where are you really from right (laughs) Right. if someone looks maybe a little different from you right it just the word is biological that you're looking for Mm -hmm. right and biological is what most people think is real, but when you start to work on the edges of what a family means, which I think we are, you have to erase that sense because that is not necessarily what defines who chooses your family. And I think that, or who you call your family, um, I think that most people know that, right? As soon as they interrogate that word, it falls apart for them. Like I've never had anyone actually stand by it, but it's just such a cultural assumption 
that people have. And then they like realize when real comes out of their mouth, they really <laughs> should take that back. Yeah, I agree with because that. Because I have nine kids and I'm pretty sure it's real. <laughs> and that they're ours. Right. <laughs> I did see a woman wear a really awesome shirt the other day that said, yes, they're all mine. Wow. Yeah. I, I would wear that except I don't want anyone to talk to me, so. I'm we do have the uh, decal on our car that says uh, there's like hella kids in here. Yeah. Our so. I, you called our 12-passenger van a car. It's a, a literal Amazon van. Yeah. Like it's the exact same model as what the Amazon van is, but it's just not blue. And it has windows. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like we've talked enough. I'm ready for bed. All right. Well, uh, I guess with that, we can just say uh, good night to everyone and I guess I won't say my catchphrase no say your catchphrase because now you have to say it but you need to find better ways to say it than just saying it oh all right well (laughs) remember I guess as far as anyone knows (laughs) we're a nice thermal family